0: Um, We're gonna um, dive in, and we're we're continuing. I guess we we haven't we're not in the middle of an actual series, I would say, other than perhaps Easter. And you might be thinking, well, again, Easter Sunday happened a few weeks ago. Why are we still talking about it? Uh, I mean, even this morning with Lily, my eldest, um, she's like, Dad, are you still doing the same verse for the year? I'm like, well, yes, we are still doing Hebrews 12. The cards up here, you've got them on the on the pews. Do take that with you. That is our verse for the year. And then she's like, but Dad, then why do why haven't you changed the banner? Because, you know, Easter's done, it's finished. I went, is it finished? She went, yeah. Was the tomb still empty? Well, yeah. So is Easter finished? Well, no. I mean, Easter day is, uh, well, no, so the tomb is empty, but, and I was like, yeah, I know, I know. And I kind of had one of those moments where that was just her and me though, so I didn't embarrass her publicly in front of her like I did with Evelyn, I'm so sorry. That was a parenting fail, but there you go. But the the reality is that most of us think that way. Most of us think it's Easter, it's one day. Woohoo, tomb is empty, hallelujah, celebrate, rejoice. On to the next thing. And there is another series coming and it's coming, don't worry, but we're hanging out in a bit of the kind of, actually, what does it mean for the tomb to be empty? What impact does it have on you and me? How does that affect us? And last week, Mike unpacked uh, uh, the, the, the reinstatement, if you will, of Peter and how amazing that was. I'm going to kind of follow on from that. This morning, I actually had something slightly different planned and where I was going. And then suddenly, a couple of days ago, I, went, I have no idea where I'm fully going to go. The <laughs> man's like, what? I was like, I don't really know. But I know that God said he didn't want me to do what I had planned. I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And then I realized that actually what he wanted me to do was to dive in to some of Peter's writings. Following from last week where where we see Peter receive and understand the grace of God, right? To receive and understand what Jesus means by, it's all good. I did it for you. Go love, go feed. But hey, guess what? My grace is enough there. Like this, the whole re that whole spiritual journey that Mike talked about is amazing because it's a reminder, at least for me, and maybe, hey, maybe I'm, but it's a reminder of like, actually, no matter how bad it gets, I can come back to Jesus, and He's going to be like, "Hey, my grace is enough." You're an idiot. I'll make you say it three times because you deny me three times, or four times, or five times, however many it may be for you or me. But then we're reinstated. We're like, "Hey, we're not. We're, we're not. We're not away from Him. He, there's still plans and purposes for us." And so today is entitled "Be Holy, Simple's." If you're a Meerkat fan, that might resonate. If you're not, sorry. And the thing is, when we talk about holiness, right off the bat, I say, be holy. And you're like, oh, really? Be holy? That's such a Christian word. What is holiness, Adrian? Is it even possible? It's not really possible. I can't be holy because I'm sinful and I'm broken. So, and the thing is that some of you guys have actually said that to me. So that's where it's. (laughs) And we can go around in circles because the reality is that holiness in my own strength, I will never achieve. Holiness in your own strength, you will never achieve yet. We read in scripture, and we're gonna to read today, that is actually pretty straightforward. The command is be holy. What does that mean? What does that look like? If I just said to you today, all you're gonna hear from me is be holy, now go. Most of y'all would be like, What the flip was that about? How how, how can I be holy? Oh, all right, Mr. Christian, be holy. What is that? But it's in there. So we're gonna dive into scripture. You wanna open up your Bibles or turn on your Bibles, you can do that. We're looking at 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 13, going into chapter two, verse three. And this is Peter writing, And a bit of background, I guess, is necessary that who he's writing to, because we're not not—we're kind of missing the intro, but he's writing to what is what he literally says, God's elect, exiles scattered through the province of Pontius and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and uh, Bithynia. It, it's essentially people who are followers, who are chosen is the language he uses, God's elect. It's a big theological conversation and debate around that. If we want to have it, we can, but we're not going to this morning. But it's essentially he's writing to those who've decided to follow Jesus. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Great, he's writing to you. If you haven't yet decided to follow Jesus, well, he's not technically writing to you, but I hope and pray that when you decide to follow him, you'll realize that he's writing to you as well. Now, when he's writing, he's writing this about anywhere between 33 to 38 years after the death of Jesus, right? Right? Now, why is that important? Because I I really feel that like the zeal with which he writes, the urgency with which he writes, like the, hey guys, by the way, is almost as if he was on the beach with Jesus yesterday. And Jesus was like, by the way, Go feed my people, go take care of them, go, hey, go be the person, be the the rock on which I'm building my church. It's almost like if he had that moment yesterday on the beach with Jesus that we talked about last week or that Mike talked about last week. Almost as if he's just had that moment and then he's like, right, I'm gonna tell everybody about it. Because this is what he goes on to say. Y'all ready? Therefore, this is again who he's ran to and what he talks about. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. now that that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like, a new, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. I wonder what it does to you as you read those verses. I wonder what stirs inside you. I wonder what the presence of the Lord is doing with you, right? As we're more aware, as we've prayed it, hey God, you're here, make us more aware of what you're saying. I wonder what God is stirring in you as you read that. What might stand out? I mean, the first thing that I see good old P point out is that We're called to set our hope on his grace, to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on his grace. The only person that can talk about setting your hope on someone's grace is someone who's experienced it, right? Like if you have experienced the grace of God, you will tell other people about the grace of God, yes? Perhaps you haven't experienced the grace of God. Pete's writing this 30 odd years later, still going, living in the grace of that moment on the beach. Peter's writing this going, I experienced this amazing grace from Jesus. He had every right to abandon me. I gave up on him. I turned away from him. The amount of times I got it wrong with him, but guess what? His grace was so good that I focus on the grace that God has for me. Set your hope on his grace. You know what that statement also says to me? (laughs) Pete's automatically saying, guess what? You're gonna get it wrong. You need to rely on the grace of God to get it right and to get in because guess what? You're human, you're broken. So set your hope on the grace. Now the thing is that some people hear this and go, well, you know what? I'm gonna set my hope on the grace, which means I'm gonna do whatever I flipping want because the grace of God covers it, right? Wrong. <laughs> he goes on to that a bit more. But when you experience Christ, his grace is revealed. And here he's pointing to also end times when Jesus comes back in the flesh and we're gonna experience the grace, not just as we do spiritually, but physically. And it's gonna be like a whole, this morning we, we read a scripture from Revelation and we, we talked about in, in hymnal praise, and we talked about how, like what is yet to come it was gonna be a time where there's no pain, no trials, no tribulations, no neck back thing pain. Like it's gonna be gone. We'll be able to worship and lift our hands. It's gonna be glorious. I'm the only one excited about that, but that's okay. Perhaps we need to experience the presence of the Lord more. Perhaps we have to focus on what is yet to come. And here Peter's like, hey guys, focus on the grace of God. Because man, you know what? It's really easy to beat yourself up. It's really easy to hang out in your rubbish. But know that God's grace is enough. Hey, he did it for me. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. Have you experienced God's grace? That's a legit question. I don't expect an answer. Hopefully the answer is yes, but have you experienced his grace? If you have, are you focusing on that grace? Are you reminded of that grace? Are you going back to, or are you like, oh, the grace is pretty good, but because right off the bat, we see that Peter is, again, 30 odd years later, but in this letter, he's like, hey, set your hope on his grace which will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And he specifically talks about when he's revealed again. But the reality is that when Jesus is revealed to you, full stop, when you meet with him for the first time or again, when he's revealed to you, you experience his grace. At least I personally, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, I have never met Jesus, experienced him in a moment where his grace has not been so palpable because if it's not for His grace, I can't stand in His presence. I'm speaking of me, not y'all. I don't know about y'all, but if it's not for His grace, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Oh man, I am so messed up. But when I, when I meet with Him in prayer, when I meet with Him in worship, when He welcomes me, when I'm ushered into His presence, I experience His grace afresh and anew, and I go, oh my gosh! His grace that even I, with all of my rubbish, even I, who get it wrong, even I who miss opportunities, even I who perhaps like Pete have found moments where I've denied him, even I can come into your presence to worship, to hear from you, to be more aware of you. It's by his grace. Are you experiencing his grace? Are you focusing on his grace? Are you recognizing his grace poured out for you? Because that's something to rejoice about, y'all. And again, I stand here, perhaps at risk of expecting you or making you think that my expectation of you is to rejoice the way I do, loudly and American style. That is not what I'm saying. But one of the biggest things I have found, dare I say disturbs me, is that non-Christians, when they come into church, they go, why would I even want to come? Y'all are more unhappy than I am. Now, if you spoke to the Christians in those churches, they probably wouldn't say that they're unhappy. They would say that they love Jesus, that the grace is wow, but their face and their actions are like, meh, kind of here. If Jesus is who he says that he is, if we've experienced his grace, is that not the greatest news ever? Thank you, there's one. If it's the greatest news, why are we not talking about it? When my kids were born, and I experienced that moment of like holding my children for the first time, I wanted to tell. I, I didn't want to tell. I told everybody. I'm a social media kid, so like automatically it was like picture online, woohoo! I shouted about it. Like when you rock up with a pram, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's okay." I'm like, "I know, just born yet, yeah, day three. I'm barely sleeping, but oh my gosh, it's amazing!" When I, when I achieved something, when I graduated, and I got my, my degree, I, was, I wanted to tell people, I studied it, I put my heart into it, I put my everything into it. When I got married, I was like, hey, you want to meet my better half? Because genuinely the better person, the best one I've ever met, this is my wife. And I want to encourage people to know her. Why am I so quick to talk about everything else that's good in my life? But God's grace, Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to say the wrong thing. What, why? Why am I focusing on anything else than his grace? To share with the world. And there's ways, right? Like we know it can be done badly. We've seen it done badly with the big massive signs that you're going to hell. Like that's badly sharing God's message and love like that. But there should be an excitement with us, y'all. Even in pain, even in trial and tribulation, I've woken him again, even though we haven't, woo-hoo. Even in trial and tribulation, even in those moments, there should be a celebration because our, ho- our eyes are set on Jesus and we are experiencing the grace and we're therefore going, hey, you know what? I got it. And there's grace and I know that I might mess up, but you know what? His grace is greater. So I'm gonna push into him more and more and more. But because you've experienced his grace, And you will experience his grace when he comes back. We can move on and we can see that we have to be holy. (laughs) Like Pete goes, right? Focus on his grace and then be holy. Simple. (laughs) Like Jesus was holy, be holy. Now everyone's like, hold on, okay, I'm struggling with the grace and the excitement for grace already. Now you're talking about holiness and that's like a whole other level. Like I'm not holy, Adrian. But we see in verse four as obedient children. Anybody like being called an obedient child? like being called obedient, usually I'm like, me? obedient. Tell me to be obedient, I'll be like the exact opposite, right? That's our attitude sometimes. But we are God's children. And we're called to be obedient. We're called to follow him. And so he says right there, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Like, what? <laughs> like, do we take scripture seriously? Is it God's word? Yes. Do we believe that God is who he says that he is? Yes. Okay, so I've got to live the way I'm called to live. Guess what? Be holy. Why? Because Jesus was holy. That should be enough for us. Like, that should be, well, you know what? Jesus is holy. I'm following him. I'll be holy. <laughs> but we don't, we don't go with that. Well, but the thing is that Jesus, Adrian, this is the thing about Jesus, right? He was fully man, yes, but he's also fully God. So like holiness was easy for him. But here's the thing, Adrian, I'm really good and I'm really holy until you put me in this group with these people and then like, it's all unholy from there because oh my gosh. Anybody in here will know those are excuses. I give them. (laughs) So don't get me wrong, this isn't me like, their excuse is are scripturally. Now, are we going to get it wrong? Yeah, which is why Pete starts with, hey, remember his grace. His grace. But he says that to us, not that we would focus on his grace so much that we can just do what we want, but that actually as we're focusing on being holy, as we're stepping into being like Jesus, we will fall because we're not Jesus. And in those moments when we don't get it right, we go, oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your grace. Oh, thank you, God, for your grace. No, it's not an excuse. I'm going to still keep on pushing for being holy as an obedient child. And I will humble myself to you, God, because you are God. And I will keep on going. But thank you for your grace. And the thing is, he goes on to say, Peter, verse 17, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, like he's, guess- we're, we're, we're all gonna stand before him. We're all gonna, and this is what I find amazing is that we are literally told in scripture repeatedly that being a follower of Jesus, about loving God, loving people, we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes because Pete doesn't shy away from love. But he also, we are also reminded in scripture that we will stand before Jesus and we will be judged by him. But it says, live out your time as foreigners here among everybody else in this place, but live it in reverent fear. Well, I don't like fear, me. I don't want to be scared. God isn't a scary God. Why would you say that, Adrian? Why would I have to be scared of God? Because God is who he says that he is. Because actually when Pete experiences the grace on the beach, he goes, He had all power in him right there and then to say, no, you're not forgiven. He had all power and all right to say, Peter, you messed up. I'm done with you. But he didn't. And so Pete walks around with this amazing grace that he believes and he's experienced. But he also walks around with the truth and reality that actually it could have gone another way if he wasn't focusing on Jesus. If we don't focus on Jesus. God is just, God is just, ow, God is just. And so we believe that as he is just, we will stand before him and he will justly judge us. And he will look to me and say, Adrian, were you actually trying to be holy or were you faking it? Or were you simply showing up to church, Adrian, to say, I'm being holy really loudly from the front. But actually, Monday through Saturday, I'm not. I'm going to stand before Jesus and he will judge. And so actually, Part of my seeking holiness, part of that being holy is, is, is recognizing that actually I strive for that holiness, knowing I'll fall short, and therefore I need God's grace. But the reason I'm gonna fall short is because God is perfect. He is creator of all. And actually, actually he has the power to say, mate, nope, done with you. But he doesn't because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Like, wow! Something to rejoice over, perhaps, (laughs) even in pain and suffering. But because he is holy, because he is holy, we are called to be holy. And he is fair and just, so the days that we get it wrong, there is grace. The days that we get it wrong, it's okay. But be holy because Jesus is. And as we step into this holiness, as we accept Jesus, and as we put hope in his grace, As we are cleaned by the blood of Christ, we step into his holiness. And as we do that, we see that we need to love one another deeply from the heart. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I love... I love how that's even structured and worded. Now that you have purified yourselves, again a reminder of who he's writing to, a lot of a lot of the people that Peter, that Peter wrote to were originally Jews who were converted, right? So the purification language was a big one because that's what they knew. They had to go to temple and they had to pay for purification. They had to pay for this sacrifice and that sacrifice so that they could be pure to even come into the temple courts, right? So now that you have been pure, that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. It's amazing how simple it is to purify yourself. You obey the truth. Well, what truth? The truth that Jesus is who He says that He is. The truth that He's called us to be holy. The truth that His grace abounds. The truth that we are called children of God. The truth that we are His. All those truths that we know to be real, that as we obey the truth, we're purified. Anybody else excited about that? There's a bit of excitement. There we go. We're purified by simply following Jesus and doing all that we can. And there's no crazy hoops to jump. There's no tick boxes. I'm rubbish at those. Hit this mark, then that mark, and that no. You you just obey God. And he then goes on. As you have this sincere love. For one another then love one another deeply now i've been told in past and still now to the day that i sometimes talk about love too much <laughs> i've been told that i preach it too much i've been told that i focus on love too much and and perhaps maybe i do but the reason i do if i'm honest is because it's in scripture <laughs> the reason i major on love is because it's right there and let's let's be honest here for a second i said from the very beginning that peter wrote this some 30 odd years after Jesus was, he right rose again and ascended, like decades after Peter's writing and where he's starting. <laughs> hey, be holy. And guess what? After you pre- love one another, it's important. And I, and I love how he says, he says, love one another deeply, deep love. No, but Adrian, my deep love is reserved for my my partner, for my kids, maybe my parents, maybe my siblings. That deep love, Adrian, isn't really reserved for everybody. That deep love is reserved biblically for one another. Do Do we love one another deeply? What does it look like for you to love the person next to you deeply? And the thing is that whenever we start talking about this, oftentimes what we immediately feel is guilt. Oh, I'm not, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. And we've major and we focus on the guilt Again, God's grace, right? We may have gotten it wrong in the past, but from this moment moving forward, how are we gonna love one another deeply? Now, some of y'all are sitting in the room going, I've only recently joined not too long ago, so I don't even really know. And others are going, Well, you know what? I've been here so long that others gotta love me. But the truth is, Scripture doesn't say wait to be loved deeply. It doesn't doesn't say, as the person next to you loves you, you love another. It says, love one another deeply. So I'm in charge of me. I'm not in charge of you. And I can only control my actions. I'm going to love you deeply. And guess what? I can promise you, I've probably failed at that with many, if not most of y'all. But I got to love you deeply. And I would hope and pray that you would love me deeply, but I can't make you love me deeply. (laughs) But I got to love you deeply. Why do I have to love you deeply? Because I've experienced the grace of God because I've been purified by following him because I'm trying to be holy. And in my holiness, I recognize that part of being holy isn't just being this "Hmm, sanctified, I'm perfect Christian. Yes, come see me. It's about loving one another. That's what it's about. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can get lost in, oh, what about all the, there's loads of other stuff like following Jesus is not just about loving one another, but in my becoming holy, I can't ignore that. In my becoming more like Jesus, I can't ignore that. In my being transformed by the Spirit, I can't ignore that. We are called to love one another deeply. And I love that he doesn't even end there. He says, from the heart. Like my language understanding, if you tell me to love someone deeply, it's it's already gonna be, but he's like, no, no, you you might just like love them deeply in action. You might just love them deeply of like, let me think about it. What could feel deep to somebody? No, he's like, from the heart. From your heart, like emotionally, deep, love one another. And I know that it's hard to love me sometimes. I I get that. And there'll be some other people in the room that you'll be thinking, man, it's really hard to love them sometimes. But as we focus on Jesus and we're trying to be more holy and we're focusing on what he's got for us, because the tomb is empty, because we've experienced his grace, this is why. Because. God's done it for us. So who who are you loving deeply? I'm not expecting an answer now, but I am expecting or hoping, praying that you will answer that question. Who are you loving deeply? Who, who, who? And, and and then how? How are you loving them deeply? Is it from the heart? And and the other thing to say, and this is, you know, we all receive love differently. And so if you're loving me the way you want to be loved, I may not receive it. And if I'm loving you the way I want to be loved, you may not be receiving it. I'm, I'm I'm a hugger. I love to hug. You might not be. If I just hug you, you're like, oh my gosh, get off me. But I'm like, but I'm loving you deeply. I'm loving you. Come here. And you're like, if you hug me one more time, I'm going to punch you in the face. So, me loving you isn't going to be forcing my form of love onto you. Me loving you is going to be saying, okay, from the heart, how do you receive love? How can I love you? Let me love you that way. I can't force my love onto others, but equally, If I am a hugger, perhaps, and I'm not expecting a thousand hugs after service, please, just (laughs) but if you want to show me love, perhaps one of the ways that if you're not a hugger, but you want to show that deep love, you go, you know what? But I want to love you deeply. And you are that person, Adrian, so come here. (sighs) Because it's not for me that I love you. It's not even for you that I love you. It's for Jesus that I love you. for God that I love you because God is so much greater right it's like it's just this one big story and you're gonna hear me repeating myself over and over but the reason I have to is because we just don't get it sometimes at least I don't and then the next thing that we see is that we have been born again through the word of God so maybe we need to just live like it Verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. How often do we not live as if we've been born again? How often do we not live as if we know the grace of God? How often do we not live as though we've experienced Christ? How often do we not live as though we've been called to be holy, as though we've been called to love, as though we've been called to focus our eyes on Jesus? How often do we live completely opposite to that? But we're reminded by Peter, hey, guess what? You've been born again through the word of God. And that's where that grace is amazing. Oh, but Adrian, I was so broken. Oh, but Adrian, this in my past. Oh, but Adrian, I can't do it. Hey, guess what? You've been born again. Done, passes by the grace of God. Celebrate it, own it. Like Peter, rejoice about it. Because again, he experienced it on the beach. 30 odd years later, he's like, oh my gosh, it's still so good, y'all. It's still so good. And he lived it, he was born again and he lived it. And you know, part of how you live it out is through that love, but how else? Well, we see in scripture right there in Peter, essentially to get rid of the rubbish and push into all that comes from God. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We're simply called to be holy and in our holiness to love, in our holiness to live out our faith. In our holiness, to live out the grace that we've experienced it. And in our holiness, to literally rid ourselves of the rubbish that we've been in. And the thing is, you're going to walk outside of these these doors and you're going to experience some of this. You're going to be hit by deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And you'll have the choice to dive straight into it. Or to push into holiness. To By receiving and accepting and knowing God's grace, It's so great for you going, you know what? Mm -mm, Not today. Not today, because today and tomorrow and every other day, but I'm going to focus on today. I'm focusing on Jesus. And today, today? He's called me to be holy. And how am I going to live that out? I'm going to love y'all. And how am I going to live that out? I'm going to step away from that envy because you know what? It makes me real envious when I see somebody got something nice that I really want. I've been praying for for a while. He ain't giving it to me yet. Why does he have it? I'm going to put that envy aside. I'm going to put my anger, my malice. Oh, but I don't have malice. Really? You wish well on everybody? Probably some of you don't. That's malice. Are you struggling with stuff? Put that to the side. And the thing is, Scripture teaches it like really simply. (laughs) Be holy. Rid yourselves of all. (laughs) Done. It's like if you're cleaning out the loft. Malice, envy, it's on the curb. It's in the bin. Done. might take a little bit more effort, right? But as we push into the holiness, as we push into the grace, as we're reminded of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, those things become easier to get rid of. So, what is God asking of you today? We've talked a lot of things. One Peter and these these short passages in One Peter say a lot and they follow on so many. And like I said, 30 odd years after he experiences his grace, after he has this amazing moment with Jesus on the beach, he's like, guess what, y'all? But you know why it's so amazing that it's 30 years later? Because he believed it and he lived it. And I'm sure he had moments of of getting it wrong. Like there's plenty of Peter's life that we don't see. But in those moments, he experienced grace the once and the second and the third and the hundredth and the two, because he got it. And he got it and he was preaching it. So this morning, what is God asking of you? Is he asking you to to receive his grace? To believe that God's grace is enough? To believe that your past is done, that as you focus on him, you're assorted. That as you focus on him, you're forgiven. That as you're focused on him, you have everything you will need. You will have life eternal because man, his grace is enough. Is it that he's asking you to focus on his grace? Is God asking you to focus on being holy not using his grace as an excuse of, oh, well, I'm broken, so no, no. But saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push into being the best follower of Jesus I can. And Lord, what are you asking of me? What does that mean? What do I need to give up? What do I need to start doing? Who do I need to love more? What is he asking of you this morning? Is he asking you to deal with some of your envy? To deal with some of those thoughts in your mind of other people who you really don't like? that perhaps to the world, you're like, it's all good. But in your mind, you're like, I really hope they get hit by a bus. Is God asking you to deal with those things today? I don't know what they are. It might be one, it might be all. (laughs) But as we're being more aware of God's presence, as we're being more aware of what he's saying and what he's doing, what is he asking of you? Mike's going to come up and we're going to spend some time in worship and reflection and in prayer. And I'm going to start right now by saying I don't have a plan. There's no specific call. I'm not going to say anything specific, but we'll see where God leads. If God gives a word to you or a picture to you, then come share. If, if there's something stirring in you that you just need to stand up and praise and stand and praise, if there's something that God's saying in you that you need to declare and say, I need prayer for this, then do it. Because <laughs> here's the thing, y'all. God will speak to you. And he'll speak to me. And he may ask different things from all of us, but we need to respond. What is he asking of you today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much. For your grace, God. I thank you that your grace goes beyond my understanding, our understanding, that even when we think we've understood just how vast your grace is, you overwhelm us with even more. And Lord, I pray that all of us here this morning, all of those not here, God, that couldn't be here for whatever reason, those joining online, that every single one of us, Lord, would be aware of your grace that we would truly be able to be transformed that right now by your spirit, you would be stirring us up, God, that we would be rejoicing in your grace. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we as individuals and as a people would focus on you To step into being more holy because you're holy. Would you chisel away the things of us that are unholy? Would you wash them away? Would you destroy anything that is not of you, God? Would you allow the holy to shine? And, And Lord, I pray that you would remind us and protect us and strengthen us that when we fall short, your grace is enough. But would we focus and aim to be holy? Would you stir it in us that holiness would be something that we seek after, that we push into, not something that we run away from? Lord, would we be able to love one another deeply from the heart as we are purified and cleansed, as we focus on you, would you, God, move in us that we would be the people you've called us to be? Would we learn how to love one another? Would we do what you've asked of us? Would we welcome others in to be loved the way we're called to love? And Lord, as we become more holy, as we step into loving, Lord, would you, Give us strength and courage to step away from the rubbish in life. If there are things that we need to address, would you bring them to the forefront of our mind right now, God, that we would lay them before you and that you, by your spirit, would take them, would bash them, would kick them away, that they would never return our malice, our anger, our envy, whatever it may be, whatever sin, Lord, whatever unholy thing, God, Would you come and remove and strengthen us to stay strong, to walk away from it today and always? In Jesus' name, amen.